0: Welcome to the Career Pod, brought to you by Transition Solutions. I'm Kevin Fandel and I'll be your host for today's program. Today we're talking about a career that started with an early focus on healthcare, specifically physical and occupational therapy, and soon morphed into a career based upon a very unique and special and emerging focus of healthcare that is therapeutic writing. It also includes elements of volunteerism. A strong entrepreneurial streak, and a lifelong dedication to building what ultimately became a world class multi million dollar therapeutic writing center in Massachusetts. I'm joined today by Debbie Sabin the founder and executive director of Lovelane Therapeutic Riding Center. And we're gonna talk with her about her career, the challenges, the opportunities, and the rewards that came from staying true to herself and her mission and vision for the organization that became Lovelane and the services and therapies and the wonderful things it does for kids with special needs in Massachusetts for the past 30 to 35 years. So Debbie, welcome.
1: Thank you, nice to talk to you.
0: Um, let's go back to the early days um, of your, you know, your education and your career and just give me a sense of where you were at as a, you know, as a late teen, early 20s person finishing college and making career decisions and and why were you drawn to what you were drawn to and then we'll pick up from there as the path got much more interesting.
1: Okay. Um, I guess the path of my career started in high school. Um, some friends of mine, Uh, had a car accident and one of them went into a coma and months after coming out of his coma he was a good friend of mine had to relearn how to walk and talk and everything all over again and I visited him a lot and was kind of odd and impressed with his recovery and whatever it was a year later going for a short run with him and you know so I knew that that's what I wanted to do I wanted to be a therapist when I grew up kind Mm -hmm. of inspired by that experience and
0: when you say therapist what what had you already then begun focusing on a
1: certain kind of no I think I wanted to be I think I thought physical therapy
0: okay um
1: and um then I went to college and, you know, sort of took lots of different classes, um, and partway through college, I just really fell into a job where I was 100% unqualified, and I took over a uh, therapeutic horseback riding program at a big able body program. Ah, okay. So there was a big barn. They kind of gave it to me. I think I was 18 or 19. Wow. Okay. and. Um, I took over the special needs program. So then that's what really focused me because I started doing that halfway through college, coming home every weekend, running that program, and then I was really bit by the bug. And I wanted to understand what I was seeing and why the therapy was working. And I needed to understand the science of it. And that's what really motivated me to go back to graduate school and become – I ended up being an occupational rather than physical therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's sort of what really kind of made the leap in that. Then after, just about when I was done with college and I was hooked and I was loving it and I was inspired and I knew I was going to go back to grad school, that program closed. Mm. And then I went to about 30 barns to try and find a place that would take the following of... Special needs people that I had at that point that wanted mm. to continue doing their writing and their therapy writing. And I finally stumbled upon this woman, Elsie Rodney, mm. um, who happened to be on Love Lane in Weston at the time. Uh, okay. And um, I started my own program there. Mm-hmm. Right when I found that barn, because yeah. I was ready to give up and I was like, nobody, you know, I, I was ready to stop. I just was like, whatever, no barn wanted us. And, um, huh. she was really literally the last barn door I was going to knock on. Wow. And, um, they said, yes, absolutely. The homeowners did the LC with her horses said, just use them for free. Here you go. Wow. I've always wanted to do this with my horses. And that was just when I got into grad school. And so nice. I did it all through grad school and okay. did it okay. part time for years afterwards. And then, I was also working at a more traditional setting and a pediatric rehab to uh, make real money rather yeah, than $5 yeah. an hour.
0: At Elsie's at place, for lack of a better, at, at yeah. that early Lovelane's place. Yeah. Um, uh, how much did it, you, so you brought your patients, client, you brought your people right. there to that center. Right? Yeah. How, how much, how long were you there in that setting and what, what? about it changed you or solidified your passion for this and how much did you influence, build it, change it while you were there in that first, in that first phase, if you will?
1: Yeah. Um, Well, it was sort of chugging along, but I think that what happened is I didn't really have a huge intent at that point. I knew I was loving it Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I did it part-time and then I worked in my pediatric rehab part-time and... What I found, and, you know, I don't know, I think my career was destined, honestly. I really do, because what happened all along was, you know, Elsie dropped from the sky. Here, use my horse. Mm -hmm. You know, my first volunteer, Tammy, dropped from the sky. She Mm -hmm. happened to be well-versed in becoming... An incorporation nonprofit. Um, I mean, of all things, my first right, volunteer, right. and she's like, "You should become incorporated and become a nonprofit." Okay, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and it was almost like all the right people would kind of fall from the sky at the right time, yeah, yeah. to solidify it. Mm-hmm. And then what I found was, I was working, making my money, and you know, doing doing traditional occupational therapy, mm-hmm. and. I was so excited for my days that I was going to be doing therapeutic riding and yeah. it just felt more and more and more. I was learning a lot in the hospital setting, but more and more I was so drawn and impassioned by doing the therapeutic riding mm-hmm. that eventually it got to the point that I, you know, that love lane sort of kept on growing and growing, that it got to the point where I could say, you know what, like... I'm doing this other job very, um, like, okay. Mm.
0: but Almost almost mechanically? You know, mechanically
1: and just sort of there was a lot I didn't love about it, and I was seeing sort of the difference between that sort of more traditional setting and what Mm. really fit me and what really got me out of bed and inspired me and the dichotomy between the two.
0: And and, and in these days, um, you were going – Through the master's program i had had already already finished finished i was
1: already a therapist yeah
0: okay right and so um what i'm hearing though is that whether it was conscious or or subconscious you you might have had a sense that you were learning important therapy you know additional important therapeutic and and practice skills Mm -hmm. in in your pediatric in the pediatric environment that probably carried through for the rest of your experience at the initial love lanes and then the current love lanes
1: yeah no absolutely I mean I think I recognized that I had a lot to learn, mm-hmm. and I also recognize I had a lot of bills you know and I think that the yeah. two things i 'm um, I'm, I'm happy that I had that fundamental um, kind of leadership and mentors in a hospital setting to give me mm-hmm. the fundamental therapy skills I needed and yeah and then it just got to the point though that i felt like um i wasn't giving it enough it wasn't it w- just wasn't making me so excited and that i had this other opportunity and career that was growing and growing despite you know that i wasn't even doing anything to make it grow and and it was sort of right there waiting for me that i finally got to the point that i decided i'd rather be less financially secure and more do nursing, this thing that right? i'm so yeah. excited about every That's day
0: right. and it and it is um i think your other comment was was right on it was a real stroke of good fortune that tammy yeah. uh, brought probably the only missing link in your skill set and life experience at that point which was kind of the incorporation the business side of it you know and not perhaps not heavy you know financial management but at least how to set up a business and a firm.
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah. she, she motivated that, and she, um, yeah, and that was, you know, and that and, and kind of all along, it seems, you know, the finances of it. In the beginning, I could do the checkbook. Then actually Lisa, who you just met, did oh. the checkbook for yeah. a while because wow. she was a volunteer, yeah. you know, but it really did feel like, you know, all the pieces of the um, laying the foundation that we needed in the beginning to start Love Lane, mm-hmm. Um you know, the board of directors was my dad, my sister, my friend, and Elsie. You know, I mean, it was. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a joke, but it was more of a it cheering a, squad a than it business. was. A family yeah. Family business
0: in, in that regard. Right. That's right. Right. Wow. Um, how many years in that first phase of Love Lane At, I know. I I know Elsie's still with you today. Yeah. Yeah, she is. A yep. Credit to, to, to that relationship. Um. But how many how many years at her or her Family in the private setting there in, in Lincoln, well, the first we love, were.
1: Um, yeah. so the first Love Lane was in Weston. Um, right, right. actually, this year we're celebrating Love Lane is celebrating its 30 year anniversary. Right. Um, we were at on Love Lane, I think maybe five years or something before she moved it to her backyard. Ah. Um, and then when she moved it to her backyard, then, um, I don't know, then it was probably. 10 years later that we opened up a satellite in my backyard Um, and then we kind of existed like that for a while where we just kind of kept growing and growing and growing Hmm. and then finally um, we built this new facility we've been here for about 16 years
0: okay let's maybe just talk for a minute about you know, thinking back, a snapshot of Lovelanes at that point when you were just ready to take a deep breath and go into the fundraising and the other, you know, sponsorships and all that that entailed. Um, What was your sense of mid-career Lovelanes at the end of that first phase?
1: Well, when we were kind of chugging along in two different facilities and and, um, growing, you know, again, it wasn't... I didn't quite have an eye on... And ambition. Ah, I okay. think that okay. I, you know, it was almost growing despite my lack of um,
0: marketing, marketing or promotion
1: or ambition or goal or anything. Yeah. It so was. You didn't, you didn't
0: have a, a, a clearly defined kind of end picture. Not at a, all. Or, or, no. Ah, okay. No. Okay. I think
1: that I. Um, people just kept coming you know it was clients kept coming um volunteers you know we started i started love lane with five kids and a volunteer and then more and more kids started coming um more and more volunteers heard about it um then that volunteer like for example lisa started doing joined the board and started doing my books then more people came along, and then there were more clients that I couldn't teach all of them anymore. Mm, so, nice.
0: so so let's jump in there. I think we've talked a lot about your career, your career path, the organization. Um, tell us about the kids.
1: Well, the kids, I mean, the kids are what drew, drove everything. The kids and the families, um, you know, there's a wide range. So we're a nonprofit. Um, there's a wide range of kids from two to 25 years old, and they have all different kinds of special needs. And what really inspired me was that the families that brought their kids to us, you know, and I think I knew this a lot before I had children, like just how amazing these people were. They would hand us their, you know, child that was nonverbal, quadriplegic, and say, of course she can ride a horse. And, you know, these families, they were so... Um, driven to, to get their children to the highest level. And what I think also really inspired me, and again, comparing it to my career in a more traditional setting, Mm. was, it wasn't, you know, in the hospital setting, I think I got frustrated by, you know, Oh, this child has this diagnosis. They get eight visits according to their health insurance and need to make measurable, attainable goals. I mean, I started at Lovelane and we had the luxury of building a culture that really inspired me. So it wasn't that each kid had to make measurable, attainable goals every week. It wasn't that we needed to maintain a professional uh, relationship. I could fall in love with these kids and their families. And, you know, so a lot of the culture of Love Lane was grown from the environment and almost what worked for me. And, and the people that were attracted to it were also people that were inspired by that the volunteers, you know, got to really have a relationship with the kids. And that's why they kept coming back, not because, you know, I was all that. It was because they got to see the progress of these kids. They got to have an intimate relationship and see the impact that they were having on these kids' lives. And
0: tell me a little bit, because this is a very high trust type of work you're doing. Mm. Uh, did you have to craft or manage or be aware of the evolution of the volunteer community here?
1: Well, that's a great question. And it's funny, I don't really remember the beginning. I mean, I know now that. Um Lisa's been running the volunteer program for ages. So when I was running it, I don't remember as well. I think my recollection is that everybody was great. Hmm. You know, I mean I think okay. over yeah. 30 years there was probably been six people that we've said we're all set don't come back. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And yeah. that you years. know wow.
0: yeah. that
1: a lot of people you know that you can find roles for people and that that the people that were attracted to doing it came from the right place yeah. and had the right heart and were inspired and you know, maybe they weren't the best at this or that or the other thing, but it just always seemed like they there was a role for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um they, at least they had, they
0: had good a good heart, yeah. good intentions, and so there was and there was a role. Right. Good. That's
1: yeah. And now it's kind of much more down to a science where she's been running uh, the program and I think that um, it speaks volumes to Running the program, because now we have about 130 volunteers, and wow. you're, actually no, I think we have more like 200 volunteers. a hundred of them are essential to our program every week. They do a magnificent job getting to know everybody, knowing their strengths, putting them in the right place. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know it's a science because they have to feel that they're a part of it, that they're part of the change which they are. so yeah.
0: What do you recall was the motivation to really think about going bigger scale? Is there an event or a time or someone's input um, that really was the beginning of phase two?
1: Well, a lot of things happened to create that. The first thing was um, a grandparent of one of our riders. So we were at two different sites at this point, and as I said, a lot I had several instructors at this point. There were more and more need. There was more and more demand of services. And I had these awesome other instructors that joined and more volunteers. And, you know, then the books and the finance went from Lisa to somebody that was better at it. Then we had to have a development person, you know. So it was kind of growing slowly. Um, And a grandparent of one of our riders um, said if you find a place to build an indoor ring, we'll pay for the indoor arena. Um, And I think this was a little bit, it was a funny backwards way. We did everything backwards but succeeded because I think that she saw, you know, one of our barns was muddy. um, The wheelchair vans had a really hard time um, going, getting to the barn. You know, like there was a lot... um, You know, basically... Logistically. Logistically. I mean, the services were the same as they are today. They were, you know, they were very personal, very intense, very directed and passionate, but um, the facility was lacking. And this grandparent kind of set out this challenge. And it happened to be at exactly the same time as Elsie, who was housing one of our barns, wanted to move and wanted to sell her house. And she was at one of our facilities and... Coincidentally, I owned I bought a place with a barn on purpose so that we could expand Love Lane to my backyard and the highway was gonna take my house. So it was almost like this kind of perfect storm of timing. Yep. And I remember um sitting down with a friend of mine um who um one his child wrote at the program and he was a developer um, by career and sitting down and kind of having this sort of, um, yikes moment of, I can either keep going and take on that challenge and build a huge facility and a permanent home that Lovelane owns and isn't reliant on individuals, you know, being generous and doing it in their backyard. Um, and kind of go for it, which was a lot of the energy, a lot of the momentum was going in that direction. Or I could decide, you know what, I'm just going to find a small place. Stay small. Do stay it in small. my backyard. Right, right. You know, grab Lisa with me and just keep it tiny. And yeah. um, and I think I had already seen some of the challenges of growing, some of the new board, some of the politics, some of the um, – Skills that were needed that that I didn't necessarily have, um, you know. And I really, you know, I remember him saying to me, "You have no idea what's going to happen to Love Lane if you go this bigger route." You know, yes. I'll help and who you. Who said that to you? The, this the, was Brian Kelly. He was. Oh, okay. um, he ended okay. up being one of our um, chairs of the board, and um, okay. you know, he sat down. He said, "I'll help you, but you you don't know what's going to happen. It's going to change dramatically." Hmm. Um, and I remember thinking I could go right or I could go left and um, <laughs> yeah. and there was just so much enthusiasm and energy and all these people to that wanted a permanent place right and right. I thought, well, you know I'm maybe Debbie would be more happy just kind of chilling and doing this but what I decided when we kind of took the right turn and took everybody's help and went to kind of the permanent home was that if we built this then there would really be a legacy there would be a program that Mm -hmm. would outlive you know the founder that would go on and on and that was the opportunity and
0: but two or three years in what did you feel uh, what was still rewarding and what was felt more distant for you
1: well there was a lot once we got into the new facility what we realized pretty quickly was we really didn't have the foundation of business and finance and planning that we needed. And um, it really was a very big growing time. It wasn't all fun at all. Um, And there were, you know, what I realized, there was a lot of people that came to give their expertise um, to help us get that foundation, to give us... Um, you know, our volunteer manual, our employee manual. I mean, when we had to get an mm. employment manual, I was like, what? You know, like, <laughs> m- you know, that wasn't where I came from. Right. And right. some of the growing and changing was really hard, but it was really essential that we got it right. And and um, so there was a lot of activity that was...
0: But just give me a sense of the types of people that that you were able to have joined the board for their perspective on all the things that were inherent in a big operation
1: right well I think what's happened over the over time first of all is the board has had um, bigger and lesser role throughout time and staff has had bigger or lesser role throughout time and as so the board you know went Like, you know, from my dad and my sister to, you know, having uh, lawyers and having developers and having finance –
0: Real estate developers? Real estate developers and... And business developers, fundraisers. And
1: fundraisers and, you know, we just had a lot... Like now the board is a lot of expertise, you know, people that know HR, people that bring in... On the board. On the board, a lot of finance help on the board. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've gotten a lot more expertise over time. um, And I think there's been periods where the board has been... I think the good news about the program in general is that the mission has always driven us. And it's been interesting because there has been periods of time on the board or even, you know, on staff that people want to, the tendency is bigger is better, bigger is better, bigger is better. And what I've always held really, really dear is the mission. And we're good at something. We're going to stick to something. We're not going to you know, turn into the McDonald's of therapeutic riding. And so there's been tension, too, because if I'm holding that really dear and saying, no, this is what we do. This is really what we do. Thanks anyway. You know, there's been so there's been conflict and there's been growing pains and there's been um, changes in staff and some stuff has stuck around forever and some haven't. And, you know, we've really come full circle, the culture um, is really back to staying true, and the mission is the same as it was you know thirty years ago mm. it 's just a lot mm. bigger um, but we had a lot of input from a lot of very knowledgeable people that helped it get to where it is today, and also probably taught me everything I never wanted to learn about <laughs> business and development and finance and yeah. fundraising and yeah. right and also along the way, we did hire. You know, finance people mm-hmm. and business managers. That you know, some so there's been a period of times that really the staff has done the lion's share, and the board, you know, help helps kind of fill the cracks. Yeah. And then there's yeah. been other periods of time where we had to rely more on the board. So okay.
0: if, if someone want, was really passionate about a cause and they wanted to start, you know, a grant, a nonprofit, cause-based organization any advice with your perspective now 30 years in you
1: For said me, something about stay true to the yeah true. i mean i yeah. think really staying true to your mission and stay and not um, not letting people influence it if you have a strength and a passion and a skill in one area you know there's something it's it's very easy to get influenced by everybody that wants to join or wants to help and you can't just follow your board or this board member or that board member in every which direction? Is is there something that you need to decide, this is what I'm doing? When you find the right thing, it's a lot more motivating to learn everything that you didn't really want to learn because it's a lot more work. So um, I had no interest in business, really. And um, it something, I was
0: something that you cared a lot about depended on exactly knowing a little bit about the fund, the business underpinnings.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So I think okay. I, you know, I'm I, you know, usually executive directors, you know, have masters, MBAs, and you know, I think that um, I learned as I went because there was a necessity to do it to keep the program going, and that was my motivation. Um, yeah. I think that it's also really, really important that you keep. That you attract and you keep amazing people that have skill sets that you don't have.
0: What's your sense of how much in all that you've accomplished and what Love Lanes is today is just pure hard work and expertise and commitment and knowledge, Um, but has luck played any role in this?
1: It's played a huge role. Uh, luck has been everything as far as my career and Lovelane and the people that have dropped from the sky and the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that joined in the mission to help and the volunteers. And and the whole path of Lovelane, I think, has been honestly, destined and really lucky because the right people have appeared with the right skills at the right time to add just what we needed at that time to make it, take it that next step or to be the next amazing instructor or volunteer or, you know, you name it. So I think luck has been a huge part of the career. You know, again, it goes back to the kids and what a gift for all of us to be able to try and make a difference in a child's life right. and right. you know so a lot of it is is that as well is that the mission that we have you know working with horses and children and trying to you know create more joy independence therapy you know gains goals you know really really impact them in a meaningful way attracts all the right people that's right so
0: as you look back on your career, in terms of, on a scale of 1 to 10, how how satisfied are you with your career, and it's not over, but yeah. at this at this point. This point.
1: Uh, it's a solid 10. It? I, yeah. Yeah, I love
0: it. I wanted to ask, <laughs> I hear it in your voice. Yeah, no, you,
1: I love yeah. it. It's, um, you know, I've been in therapeutic writing for, I guess, 34 mm. years or something, 30 at Lovelane, and... I love it. I yeah. go in the ring. It's yeah. you know I can't think of something I'd rather be doing. I, yeah. I it inspires me. I'm I love it.
0: That's great. Yeah. That's great. Well, this has been an awesome <laughs> conversation. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Um, it's a wonderful uh, organization, facility, and mission you have here, and uh, it really shows in the way you talk about it. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you.
1: Thank you.